you've always been passionate, sometimes angry, but right now, not just in this interview, but in the last few months, you just seem rejuvenated. You seem really happy in your work. Is that fair to say? Is this giving you a bit of a new lease I, of life? I, I don't think it's so much angry. I'm passionate about the sport. I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't dip into this every couple of years and dip out again. You know, I don't say the sport's dead and all that. You know, you have the rough times and the good times. You know, and I've been through the rough times and good times. But that's life. That's what life's all about, isn't it? If everything was great all the time, then you wouldn't appreciate those times. We've had the bad times, we've had the good times, but we're on a we're in a position now that we work. It's not just happened; we've worked hard at it. We've got a team together. We've got we brought new people on board who come in who are passionate about the sport like we are. We've got a team that are very loyal. It's not just me; it's the team around us. You know, we work what we do combined to make this a success story. And that's where we're at. And I know anybody, any trainer, any dad who know who knows something about boxing and wants his son or mum for this or that matter, knows anything about boxing, they make a, they come to us. Or for daughter us. for that matter. Or daughter, <laughs> yeah, well, you got it. Sorry, yeah. Use my way on that. Or daughter, they they come to us and and why? Because we know what we're doing. We're good at what we do. And if you like I keep saying, at the end of the day, boxing's not about Hearn, it's not about me. It's not about BT, it's not about Sky or any other, it's about the boxer. And without the boxers, you've got no boxing. That's what this sport's about. And the only way you're gonna make this sport successful is by giving the boxers the platform and the experience that you gather and garner over the years to help make their careers, help make them successful, help make, help make them become crossover sporting icons. And we have done that for 40 years now, 40 odd years. I've been in this business since I was 23, so what's that? That's 44 years now I've been doing this. Still if, I don't know, if, I don't, if I don't know how to do it now, I'm never gonna know, I've got to be a moron. Do you love it as much as you always did? Yeah, I, love, I mean, I'm in here this morning, aren't I? I mean, I could have, <laughs> a couple of my pals said to me, you fancy coming out for a bit of lunch today, but no, I'm here because I want no, to be- No, I did an interview of seconds yeah, out, of That's what that was it, it's prioritize. You got to prioritize your life. But no, we got, um, we could have I'm, done it over lunch. I'm very, I'm very, very pleased with where we're at. And, I, and I'm enthused where I'm at with looking at the talent. The, you know, the, the Albert Hall, we renovate, we rejuvenated boxing. At the, <laughs> so uh, so I don't mean you renovated well, it. But we, yeah. we've done a bit, I've done a bit of painting and decorating. Yeah. Every, no, we, we rejuvenated boxing at, at the Albert Hall. It's a fantastic venue. It's a great showcase for, for, for the tap, certainly the London talent. And we've, we've, we've done well. That, that's now up and running. We're going to do some more shows then next year. Just bringing it, you know, getting involved in it, and it's exciting. It is exciting sitting there watching these guys. You know, I I, I really do enjoy it. It's it, it's 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 a, it's the best sport in the world at its best. At its worst, it's the worst sport <laughs> in the world. But at its best, it's great. And you know, as I say, we care about we care about what we do. We care about the boxers' health. We care about it. It's, you know, it's why I bang on people saying, "Oh, you're having a go." At, um, What's his name? Uh, Dillian White, because of he's with her. It's not about that. It's about our sport. It's about making sure our sport can be as safe as possible. Still sitting here, what's happened to the B sample? Where is it? You know, there's all this talk going on at the moment. I don't know what's going on with it. Maybe you know better than I do. But the fact of the matter is, nothing has nothing's been said. That can't be right for our sport. Where's the transparency? It's not about privacy, it's about our sport being run correctly it's a dangerous sport peds are a dangerous thing in our sport and we all need to know what's going on and we don't so am i passionate 
course I'm passionate about it, but I want the sport to be safe. I want it to be run, run properly. I want the board of control to pull their finger out over stuff like this because they're not. And you, Cad, more importantly, you're supposed to be in charge of this. What are they doing? I've written to them saying, can you tell me what I've got to tell my boxers? Because I don't know where we are with this. We'll get nothing back. Nothing back. How can that be right? But overall, happy? Happy? I couldn't be any happier. I'm having the time of my life. I'm enjoying it, as I've said, and we'll continue to do so because we've got so much to be happy about. Happy that we've got a broadcaster who believes in us. You know, football, then boxing on their channel. They're the two important sports. We're really, really happy that we're with them. I can't tell you how much. I'm happy because I've got a great team and more what makes me even more happier, we've got great fighters, great prospects, great fighters, and that all spells out one thing, a great future. Brilliant. Frank Warren, Thank really you. appreciate it. Cheers. So we got Gennady Golovkin versus Sergei Derevanchenko tonight. I've seen a few people online saying that they wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset in this fight. And I can see where they're coming from. Derevanchenko is younger. He's fresher. He's very ambitious. I spoke in a video several weeks ago about how when it comes to Eastern European fighters... Your amateur credentials are held in much higher regard than they are in Britain or in America. And there was an Eastern European person in the comments section who explained it far better than me. And he essentially said that when it comes to boxing in Eastern Europe, the pinnacle of your boxing career is winning the Olympics. That's the pinnacle. After that, if you go on and have a professional career, you make lots of money. That's just the cherry on the, you know, that's just the icing on the cake with a cherry on top. But what people respect the most is the Olympic gold medal, the stuff you did in the amateurs. That's the way it tends to be seen by a lot of Eastern European fighters. And as I mentioned in that video, very few people have called Golovkin out throughout his career but among the few who have are several Eastern European fighters Derevanchenko has been calling for a Golovkin fight for a while and that guy who Andy Lee beat for his world title I in fact let me let me try to find the guy's name because I'm sure I can link this to Andy Lee here <laughs> what was that guy called he fought one of the Charlos recently. He called out Gennady Golovkin as well. And it might have been one or two others. So, Derevanchenko is coming into this fight with a tremendous amount of confidence. He wants to take Golovkin's scalp, not just for a world title, but for bragging rights in Eastern Europe. And as well, a lot of these Eastern European fighters... They see the success that Golovkin has had in America and they see him beating up on these American fighters and whatever. 
and they say, you know what? These guys don't know how to fight him. I'm from that same Eastern European boxing tradition. I know how to deal with this guy. So stand back and let me show you. That's the kind of attitude that Derevanchenko is coming with in this fight. So I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm still picking Golovkin to win. But given his age and given Derevanchenko's, you know, youth and enthusiasm. I, mean, I know Derevanchenko ain't that young, but he's younger than Golovkin. Golovkin's 37, Derevanchenko 33. So he's still several years younger. He's obviously fresher. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at an upset. That's what I will say. Because Derevanchenko's obviously a very solid fighter, right? A good amateur background and all that kind of business. And he's, he wants to take Golovkin's scout, man. That's bragging rights in Eastern Europe. Bragging rights anywhere, but particularly there. So that's my take on it. Just some disjointed musings and meandering thoughts about this fight. Um, should be interesting. I'm still taking Golovkin. I reckon he'll probably win a decision or maybe stop Derevanchenko late. If Derevanchenko wins, I have to assume it would be on points. I cannot imagine Derevanchenko knocking out Gennady Golovkin. But you never know. Sometimes a fighter like Golovkin, who's had an iron jaw, and he, and he really does have an iron jaw. I mean, Golovkin's chin is the, the stuff of legend. But sometimes even an iron-jawed guy who takes a certain amount of punishment in his career, his punch resistance will start to deteriorate. And he can end up getting stopped by somebody who you'd never imagine could have stopped him before. An example of that could be Brandon Rios. Obviously, Brandon Rios is nowhere near as good as Gennady Golovkin. But Brandon Rios was always an iron-jawed fighter. But remember when he fought Tim Bradley, a guy who can't really punch that hard? And Bradley stopped him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes a, a guy who's tough as old boots like Rios, he can get worn down through the course of a career where he just can't take the punches that he used to be able to take. And I know the, the Rios fight was a combination of body shots and headshots, to be fair, uh, but still. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Will there be an upset here in the Gennady Golovkin, Sergei Derevanchenko fight? Because, you know, Golovkin's been looking for the Canelo rubber match. And he seems quite frustrated these days, Gennady Golovkin. Maybe he's looking for retirement money. <laughs> the real Golovkin is coming out as well. No more Mr. Nice Guy. He's been snapping at reporters and all this kind of business. No more good boy. You know, he's tired of putting on that facade. Now he just wants to knock people out and get paid. <laughs> yeah, I actually like it. Drop your comments below. Let me know how you feel. It's happening. I'm out. I've seen an increasing number of people online saying that they wish boxing was like the UFC in terms of its structure. Because the narrative is that with UFC, the best fight the best all the time on a regular basis, when those fights get ordered, they happen. There's no network rivalry that stands in the way. There's no promotional rivalries that stand in the way because everybody's under the same promotional group, UFC, on the same network. 
So the narrative is that that's a much better structure to have. The narrative is that if you are a UFC champion, it's equivalent to being the undisputed champion in boxing. Well, the problem with that narrative is that it's a false narrative. Because the UFC is just one MMA promotional house. And I call it a house because UFC does everything in-house. Yeah? See, the thing with the UFC is that because they're so much bigger than any other uh, MMA house, it gives a lot of people this false perception that they're the only show in town and that anything outside of UFC doesn't really matter. But the reality is, you've got many other MMA houses out there. For example, Bellator, which is probably the second most well-known after UFC. How often do you see UFC champions fighting Bellator champions? I mean, that's no different than what you have in boxing. Where the fighters who are champions of one sanctioning body or one promotional group often won't fight the champions of a different promotional group. But as I say, with UFC, because they're so much bigger than any of the competition, people actually forget that the competition exists. I'm sure some MMA people will argue that if you really are that good, you'll be in the UFC. You won't be in Bellator. And I'm no MMA expert. I've watched MMA for many, many years. Here and there, it's never been my go-to sport, but I have watched it. I even watched the early UFC back in the, the 90s when they first started. When you had the Gracies and I remember watching, it might have been UFC 1 with the big uh, black sumo wrestler, Emmanuel Yabra. <laughs> so... I watched my fair amount of MMA and UFC over the years, although, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm any kind of MMA expert. I'm definitely an MMA casual. But still, if any of you people who are far more well-versed in MMA than me want to correct me on anything here, then please do. I'm, I'm happy for you to correct me. But as far as I'm aware, there are multiple MMA houses and the champions of UFC, etc., don't fight the champions of Bellator. So it's not like having an undisputed champion in boxing. An undisputed champion in boxing is somebody who more, more, more than likely has four people to collect those belts who are signed with other promoters, who are on other networks. That's usually how somebody becomes undisputed. They have to fight cross-network fights and, you know, fighters who are with other promoters. You don't see that happening in, in MMA. But because the UFC have built themselves up so big and made themselves look like the only uh, show in town, you know, people act as though it's like being an undisputed, undisputed champion. Really and truly what UFC do is what Al Heyman is trying to do in a welterweight division, have an in-house incestuous little situation where all his top fighters are fighting each other on a regular basis. I mean, we just had Keith Furman Pacquiao. Then we had Errol Spence, Sean Porter. Now we're probably going to get Errol Spence, Danny Garcia. I mean, that's the same as what goes on in the UFC. 
Al Heyman is trying to make Terence Crawford irrelevant, just the way that the UFC have made people believe that the competition doesn't really exist. Doing everything in-house and acting as though, well, if you're not in the UFC, you're not really that good anyway. That's what Al Heyman's trying to do. But people are complaining about it, and rightfully so. I'm complaining about it. So, I don't think the UFC model is the way to go for boxing. I don't think so. Because you're never going to be able to unify the whole world of boxing in every country under one promotional group. That's not going to happen. They don't even have that in MMA. So they're not going to have that in boxing. Not anytime soon anyway. Not, not within the next few decades. So what's this desire for it to be like UFC? It's just an illusion. There are plenty of top MMA fighters out there who are not in the UFC. The same with other MMA houses. They just don't get the recognition. And because they don't get the recognition, you think they're not that good or people assume they're not that good. Maybe they are. Another thing I don't like about the UFC, well, it's got it right here. Let me try and find it here. It's a very long article on Wikipedia, but it's the, uh, the treatment of the fighters. I don't like that in UFC. You know, UFC as a brand is bigger and more well-known than any of the fighters. Whereas in boxing, that's not the case. Anthony Joshua is a bigger brand. He's not necessarily a bigger financial entity, but he's a bigger brand than Matchroom Boxing, his promoter. Yes, he is. You walk down the street in the UK and ask somebody if they know Matchroom, and, and most people will be like, who? But ask them if they know Anthony Joshua and everybody knows him. So Anthony Joshua is a bigger brand than Matchroom Boxing. Canelo Alvarez is a bigger brand than Golden Boy. But in the UFC, it's not like that. In the UFC, with, with the very, very few exceptions, you know, like the Conor McGregor's and maybe Ronda Rousey, very few exceptions, for the most part, the UFC as a brand is bigger than the fighters. And that keeps the Dana Whites and, you know, the board members or whatever at that company in a position of power over the, the fighters themselves. My understanding of the business model with UFC is that it's kind of like the old days, actually, of boxing in terms of how little power and control the fighters have. And the fighters, the, the, the top fighters, the champions, etc. in UFC don't get paid anywhere near as much as the top fighters in boxing. Well, how can that be? Because UFC is an extremely successful promotional entity. They make loads of money. But with all the money they're making, why are their fighters not getting paid as much as top boxers are getting paid? Because very few boxing promoters are making the kind of money that UFC is making. If any. 
So how come the, the boxing promoters who are making less are paying their fighters more? Generally. What's that all about? So, no, I don't like the UFC business model where they're fleecing fighters, in my opinion. I don't like it. Yeah, they're getting, fighters still get paid millions and all that kind of business and they get endorsements and sponsorships. But the fact that the UFC is bigger than the fighters, nah, I don't like it. <clears throat> I was looking for, where is it here? There was something that talked about lawsuits. Such a long list here about the UFC. I did find it earlier on, but I can't. Where is it? Oh, here we go. Yeah, lawsuits over contractual treatment of fighters. So there have been multiple lawsuits. You know, I remember when Rampage Jackson had his uh, ups and downs with Dana White. And I remember the way Dana White was talking about Rampage Jackson. It's as if Rampage was his property or something. You know? I didn't like that. <laughs> didn't like it at all. Those are my thoughts on this growing call for boxing to become like the UFC. Yeah, the UFC doesn't envelop the entire world of MMA. It's just one promotional house. There are others. It's ju it just happens to be so big that people forget that the others exist that, or they don't take the others as seriously. They act as though if you're anybody in MMA, you have to be in the UFC. But that's just an illusion. Yeah. They, they don't have an overarching promotional group for the entirety of MMA, and they don't have that for boxing. And I don't ever see them having that for boxing, and you know, probably not in our lifetimes. So... Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's Hatman, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Tyson Fury made this surprise appearance on WWE the other night. Uh, Fury was going up against this guy who's called Braun Strowman. I don't follow WWE anymore. I used to be a big fan of wrestling way back in the days in the 80s and 90s and the Attitude Era and all that. I was a big fan of wrestling, but I don't follow it these days. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> this is, I guess, one of the major figures in WWE at the moment, Braun Strowman. And yeah, he was facing off with Tyson Fury. There was a little bit of a fracas where Fury tried to get over the uh, the barrier here <laughs> and have a fake straightener with this guy.
I think this is probably the best thing Tyson Fury has done from a promotional point of view in the United States. Tyson Fury belongs in the WWE. And I don't mean that in terms of, you know, he's not a real fighter or he, he can't box. Tyson Fury is a tremendous fighter. He belongs in boxing too. But just his, his showman persona belongs in the WWE. I love it in boxing. I love WWE type showman in boxing too. But it would almost be a missed opportunity if Tyson Fury didn't try his hand at WWE. <laughs> so I think he should take to this like a duck to water. And obviously, we've seen fighters over the years from Mike Tyson, uh, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Evander Holyfield, and many top professional boxers over the years who have had some involvement in WWE. But Tyson Fury, for me, is like the perfect fit. So I'm interested to see where this... A particular angle goes this storyline between Tyson Fury and this dude <laughs> hopefully he can get in the ring and have a little fake straightener will Tyson Fury stomp the canvas when he's throwing his jabs <laughs> that's the way they do it in wrestling right and this will bring a lot more attention to Tyson Fury in the lead up to the Deontay Wilder fight if he continues being involved in wrestling and that should help the pay-per-view figures. Yeah? Tyson Fury can definitely appeal to the type of audience who watches WWE. To that, you know, type of demographic. Because he has the personality to attract them. And make them want to follow him. So, best thing that he's done. In fact, he'll probably gain more of a following and more support in the United States from being involved in WWE than he was ever going to get from fighting Tom Schwartz or Otto Wallen. So, yeah, great move by Tyson Fury. And as a fan of uh, wrestling, I want to see how this story plays out. <laughs> and if Tyson Fury actually uh, trades fake blows with this guy. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's that man I'm out. Deontay Wilder recently had a sit-down interview with Sky Sports in the UK and he said a whole heap of different things but one of the things he said is that Alexander Usek is not a threat to him because he's too small. He said Usek does a lot of movement and stuff like that but that don't phase him. Well, I like Deontay's confidence, I always have. It's important for a fighter to be confident especially at the highest levels because if you ain't confident you'll get found out but when he says that he's not a threat I hope that is not a way of trying to say I don't need to fight this guy because he's not a threat because I can assure you Deontay Wilder that Alexander Usek is way more of a threat to you than Luis Ortiz I can assure you he is Luis Ortiz by the way when he was an amateur, he fought at 200 pounds. Did you know that? Luis Ortiz is not even a particularly big heavyweight. He only weighs whatever he is, 235, 240 now, because he's an old man. When you get older, you can't weigh the same as you did when you were in your physical prime. Luis Ortiz is not in his physical prime. His athletic prime, no. You know, when I was in my 20s, I could get down to, you know, 224 pounds ripped to shreds. Once I got into my 30s and, 
you know, creeping up into my 40s, very, very difficult to get down to them weights now. <laughs> Healthfully, anyway. Naturally, when I'm ripped to shreds, I'm, I'm a guy, 224, 225, maybe 226. Between 224 and 226, when I was young, was me, absolutely shredded at my optimum, you know, fighting weight. So the point I'm making here is Luis Ortiz really isn't much bigger than Usek, naturally. Usek fought at 200 pounds in the amateurs, just like Luis Ortiz did. But Usek is not 45 years old. Usek is a much younger man. Usek has got faster feet than Luis Ortiz. He might not have the punching power, but he's certainly a very skilled fighter, far more accomplished than the amateurs than Ortiz. So if Wilder is getting deluded in his head in thinking that Usek is any less of a threat than Ortiz, <laughs> there could be a rude awakening for him if they do fight. But I suspect that Al Heyman and Shelley Finkel will keep Deontay Wilder as far away from Alexander Usek as humanly possible. That's the way that Wilder's career has been. He's been protected. So I don't want to hear Deontay coming out talking about, ah, oh, he's not a threat, so I don't need to fight him. Because you fought plenty of people who weren't a threat, Deontay. Right? I mean, all, all these people were not a threat. These people here. The first guy who had a pulse was Berman Stavern. Is Berman Stavern as good as Usek? I would absolutely say no. Now, to be fair, Usek hasn't proven himself at heavyweight as a pro, but he did fight in the World Series of Boxing, which is like a semi-pro kind of league. And he fought some big guys in that. He fought Joe Joyce, beat the brakes off Joe Joyce, who's a very big heavyweight. And he fought other big guys in there too. So Usek can fight big guys. In fact, there was a famous sparring session that Usek had with Klitschko. And Klitschko didn't allow any cameras. Apparently, the word from that training camp is that Usek gave Klitschko the business in sparring. They actually showed Klitschko up. I think Johnny Nelson talked about it. He might have been present there. I think he was. And he said, Usek kind of showed him up. Unlike Deontay Wilder, when he sparred Klitschko, Wilder was put on the canvas. In fact, another person I forgot to mention who witnessed Wilder getting dropped by Klitschko was James Ali Bashir. And thoughts and prayers go out to James Ali Bashir right now because some cowardly individual sucker punched him at a weigh-in last night. Um, but be that as it may, James Ali Bashir has gone on record in various interviews saying that he saw Deontay get hit by Vladimir Klitschko and go down hard in sparring. And then you wonder why Deontay Wilder ducked Klitschko for years. Even after Klitschko lost his belt, Deontay had the opportunity to give Klitschko a voluntary shot, but he didn't do it. AJ did it instead. You know? <laughs> but anyway... Look at all these people who Deontay fought who weren't a threat. Look at all these guys here. And by the way, Arta Spilker is like 
not just a poor man's Alexander Usyk. He's like a, a homeless, crackhead bums version of Alexander Usyk, Arta Spilka. And Spilka was giving Deontay all types of problems in that fight. If you think Spilka was hard to nail and to pin down, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing compared to Ale Alexander Usyk, I can assure you. So again, I'm happy for Deontay to be confident, but I don't want him using this Usyk is no threat to me as an excuse not to fight him. If he starts doing that, pff, boy, that's just more things to criticize Deontay for, really and truly. <laughs> and I rate Deontay as a fighter. You know, people often get it misconstrued with me. They think I don't like him as a fighter and don't rate him. No, I've always rated him. You will never hear me saying Deontay Wilder is not a good fighter. Which is what many people were saying for years. Wilder's no good. That's what people were saying. They were saying he was no good. And all the while, I was maintaining that actually he is really good. So, most of my criticisms of Deontay are not of him as a fighter, but as him as a personality, as a person, you know? At least within the arena of boxing. I don't know what he's like outside of boxing, but within the arena of boxing, man, he just talks so much rubbish, this guy. Says so many things that don't make sense. So, we'll see. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. How would Deontay Wilder do against Alexander Usyk? Is Usyk no threat to Wilder? If Wilder is the man that he thinks he is, that he claims he is, you know, he says he's a Hall of Famer already, he should want to fight Usyk. Usyk was the undisputed cruiserweight champion. I mean, Usyk is right up there <clears throat> next to Evander Holyfield as the greatest cruiserweight of all time. I mean, it's a toss-up between those two. And look what Holyfield went on to do in the heavyweight division. So Usyk is not a guy to be underestimated. Will Deontay underestimate him? <laughs> will Deontay even fight him? Will he be allowed to fight him? Or will his puppet masters, Shelly Finkel and Al Heyman, keep him well away? Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. How would that fight go? Would it be competitive? Would Usyk just dance circles around him? I think it would be highly competitive. I think Usyk is obviously the better boxer of the two. Much better footwork. He's got a higher work rate. He's just more skilled all round. But Deontay is a very tall man. He does throw a very fast, ridiculously hard right hand. And Usyk would have to be very careful not to get hit with that shot flush. So, uh, I, I think that in a Wilder-Usek fight, Usek would be ahead as long as the fight goes. I, I cannot see Deontay Wilder outboxing Alexander Usek. Not unless he badly hurt him and then Usek was really intimidated. But without catching Usek with that big right hand flush and hurting him, I don't see Deontay Wilder being ahead in the fight. Yeah, same as when he fought Arthur Spilka. I don't care what the judges' scorecards were saying because those judges' scorecards were bogus. Deontay Wilder was behind in that fight or at least it was even going into the round where Deontay ended it. Like, that was a real close fight. I mean, you might have had Deontay a roundup, even, you know, Spilka around. It was real close. 
Deontay could not land his right hand flush on Spilka until the very end when he finally knocked him out with one shot. That's the first time he landed it flush with proper power on it. You know? Usek, way better than Spilka, but similar kind of thing in terms of moving around, southpaw stance, messing with Deontay Wilder's balance and range. So let me know what you guys think in the comments. I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.